Welcome to Beyond the Silo, grain marketing tips for growers. Futures are the single largest underlying contributor to pricing. In fact, they make up around about 70% of it. But what are they and how are they set? The Chicago Board of Trade, otherwise known as CBOT or CBOT, is the place that most of the industry refers to for the underlying world price of wheat. It's generally where the world goes to buy wheat. To find out more about futures, I'm joined in the Grain Producers SA studio by independent agricultural consultant Jonathan Wilson. Jonathan, thanks for your time. Thanks, Drew. Jonathan, the obvious question, first of all, what is a future? A future is the single biggest underlying contributor to pricing. And so you're actually selling a unit of a commodity that has got a relativity to you. So when we talk about futures in grain, we generally refer to the Chicago Board of Trade and we generally refer to the wheat future there because it's got a relative impact on the price of grain in Australia. So we can ignore futures if you want. You can just look at the overall price, but it's lurking in the background like the schoolyard bully that you don't really want to spend some time with but it's still there. So understanding a little bit about it may give some opportunities to some growers who want to be involved in it. Okay, I'm going to ask you again then, what exactly is a future? A future is a commodity being sold on an exchange uh, for delivery at a certain point in time uh, in a certain place. That's a very simple explanation. Even I can understand that. Now, in terms of setting those futures up, the Chicago Board of Trade is really, really important, otherwise known as CBOT, CBOT. Why is it so important? Historically, the Chicago Board of Trade is where the world has gone to buy and sell wheat. And so they sell wheat. And the reason for that is that the future makes things very simple. There's a known quantity there's a known quality, there's a known location, there's a known, a known time, and the only thing that is unknown, it's actually very liquid. So it's very easy to go and buy or sell large quantities of grain for delivery at a point in the future. The thing with these futures is that you don't actually have to physically go and deliver a load of grain against it. You can actually buy back the future and you close out that. You know, you've got a, a corresponding purchase and sale that you put together and then you've only got a financial reconciliation at the end. So even if you don't produce it, you can get out of it. Is that what you're saying? Correct. There's always a level of liquidity there. So there's lots of buyers and lots of sellers. And on any given day, you can buy it or sell it. So why is the Chicago Board of Trade so effective at determining a price? I think the first thing is is that it takes care of so many variables. So you've got a known tonnage. So a contract on the Chicago Board of Trade is for 5,000 bushels. Bushels are a measure of volume, not of weight, but that corresponds to 136.08 metric tonnes of weight. So that is one contract and everyone deals in the same size contract. The amount of tons are different depending on the commodity. So corn is a slightly lighter weight commodity, so you're dealing with a little bit more of the, the grain and so on. So you've got a, a known volume. You've got a known delivery zone, which is somewhere close to Chicago. You've got a known quality, which is SRW, soft red weight. And you've also got a known date. So the contracts only trade for weight in five months, March, May, July, September and December. The only unknown is the price, and that is quoted in US cents a bushel. 
you mentioned a little bit of jargon there in yeah. terms of SRW, but there's some other codes as well that pop up in this sphere, like WZ20 or WZ21. What do producers need to know about those? Again, once you understand what the different letters and numbers mean, it becomes a little bit clearer to understand. So W stands for wheat. C, for example, would stand for... Corn. Yes, well done. Gold star. Z, in this case, refers to the month. So I said earlier that it trades in five months. So Z is December. For example, if it was H, that would be the code for March. Uh, If it was N, that would be the code for July. So uh, WZ means wheat. December and 20 is the year. So it's wait for delivery in December 2020. If you looked at WZ21, it would be wait for delivery in December 2021. And if you looked for CN21, it would be corn. 2021 and the end I think is June for some weird reason. Oh, Did you be, very close July? July. I have no so, idea why end so, will relate to July. <laughs> well, it's just alphabetically through the year. So the deeper it is in the alphabet, the more it is towards the end of the year. So H, K, N, U, and Z are the ones that are relevant for wheat and corn. So the other thing to think about is that we look at the Z contract, we look at the December contract because that is the one that most closely relates to our harvest. So if we were looking for harvest 2020, we would generally compare our price to the wheat contract for December 2020. So we would look at WZ20 as the most relevant contract. If you are exceptionally late harvest, you're down in the southeast of the state and you're not going to get off until January, you would then look at the next contract, which would be WH21, which is the March contract in 2021. If you were looking at harvest next year, your first contract that would be most relevant is the December contract for 2021. And now you know where to look for it. You could just look at WZ21 and you can say, hey, it's now gone up X amount of US cents a bushel. Jonathan, I think I've got a vague understanding now about the codes. What then influences the price of a future? So there are two influences, really, that you would look at. There are two families of influences, if you like. The first one is technical, and the second one is fundamental. They're big-sounding words, but you don't need to worry about what they are. The technical influences would be people who would look at charts uh, and they would try to infer some sort of future action by what the chart is saying. So some people, for example, would follow what we call candlestick charts, and they would try to identify a pattern that would allow them to indicate future trends. And sometimes they'll look at that in a very long-term way, or sometimes they'll look at it almost minute by minute. So it's really about using data to predict future action. Talking about fundamental influences, that is things that we would look at or I would look at more from a trading point of view, which is crop carryout. It's the production, it's the demand, it's the performance of similar crops, the different effects of government interventions and so on. So things that are actually around the production and consumption of the physical product. At the start of this, Jonathan, we started talking about CBOT, Chicago Board of Trade, which was really the place for Mm. pricing. It's not as much, though, anymore. Why is that? I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a a different correlation from the futures. Now, certainly they've got a a large impact because it is where the world goes to trade grain. And it used to be that whenever we had the, the single desk, there was a very strict correlation. So Chicago goes up, our price goes up, or Chicago goes down, our price goes down. And obviously the influence of having just one single exporter of grain out of Australia had a a very significant impact on that. 
we've got multiple buyers who are looking at multiple things, looking at multiple pathways to price their grain. And so it's not as simple as Chicago goes up a dollar and our price here goes up a dollar. There's still a very real correlation. It's just not as strong as it used to be. And that's because we've got lots more players. We've got lots more things that people are thinking about. And one player may be thinking about the export market, but a different marketer may be thinking totally about the domestic market. So you don't have the same level of influence. Jonathan, also in terms of the Chicago Board of Trade, the other thing is it seems to make sense to Americans because it's in units that they understand what are those and how do we make it meaningful mm. here? Yeah, no, we, we can turn yards into metres and pints into litres, but turning bushels into metric tonnes is is, has got a special kind of witchcraft. We see Americans very much in the uh, the imperial system and in Australia now we're in the uh, metric. I'm unfortunate in that I grew up in both the imperial and metric at a time when uh, the UK was changing over. Uh, look, there's a level of complication to it, but... There are some big numbers coming up, so if you've got a pen and paper, you could you might want to write them down. But you want to convert the US cents a bushel price into US dollars per metric ton. You just take that cents a bushel and you multiply it by 0.3674371. Right, I'll, I'll say that number again because that's not easy to remember. Multiply it by 0.3674371. So if you wanted to get out your phone calculator, you could put in, let's say, uh, Chicago Board of Trade is 500.25 US cents. You multiply that by 0.3674371. It becomes more natural as you go on. That 500 US cents a bushel converts to $183.81 US dollars per ton. Right. And then we've got to go through the currency Conversion. And then you've got to throw currency as well. So you're just converting it from US cents a bushel to US dollars per metric ton. And that makes it an easier, an easier starting point. But you only need to write down that number once. It will stick with you if you really wanted to. 0.3674371. It's like those phone advertisements where they give you their phone number. Jonathan, I reckon that number's seared into a lot of people's yeah. brains over the last 20 years. Thank you for joining me in the Grain Producers SA studio for this deep dive into futures pricing. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. The information presented in this podcast is general in nature only and does not constitute legal, financial or investment advice. Listeners should seek professional advice relevant to their individual circumstances before making any decisions. While every effort has been made to ensure the information in this podcast is correct at the time of publication, we do not warrant, guarantee or accept any liability arising from its accuracy, reliability or completeness.